welcome to another iteration of the Sandbox, and I am thrilled about tonight. Uh, so tonight we're lucky to have the foresight of Jamie Arbib, who has spent his career forecasting and investing in the future of disruptive technologies and their potential for society as a whole. And this is a theme that I think most of us are quite drawn towards, right? Especially the horizon scanning aspect of it, examining what the future has in store for us, not just as passive observers, but active change makers, active participants who can influence the trajectory, harness the potential in a way that serves those who are currently underserved or unaddressed by incumbents. So aside from Jamie's professional accolades, he has been kind, patient, compassionate, and open throughout the process of inviting him into the sandbox, which is arguably one of the most valuable traits that we need moving into the future. So yeah, excited to dig deeper into the work you do, Jamie, and um, please pave the way for this conversation. Over to you. Thank you, thank you so much. And, 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 and so good to be with you all this evening. I've got the most amazing sunshine outside my window. It's about to go behind my roof line. So I'm gonna enjoy it for a couple of minutes. Um, until then, but um, I, I thought maybe I'd start by giving you a little bit of a kind of a life's journey to date, and then and then talk about some of the work we're doing, just so I can kind of frame where I'm coming from. Um, so 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 I mean I you know I'm I'm feeling old in this room. I'm now 49 years old, but I I I you know had an easy kind of upbringing and 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 start to life, and you know I went to Cambridge University, studied history, and then went into the finance world and went to um, um, you know, went into an investment bank, studied accountant, qualified as an accountant. Um, and then I kind of in my early studies, my, my, I, I just kind of hit a wall. <laughs> I kind of, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't had a plan. I hadn't kind of, I just drifted from one thing to another. And I suddenly just, I wouldn't say breakdown's the right word, but I just kind of everything. I just started asking questions that I wasn't prepared to answer, I think. And, um, and it was a great wake up call. And, you know, after a lot of soul searching and, and, you know, at that point I kind of got into meditation and I began to kind of, I guess, get to know myself at some level. And, and I, I ended up, you know, for the first time in my life, I guess, consciously taking a decision. And, and, and I went into to, um, venture capital. So investing in kind of startup or early stage businesses, but particularly around um, climate change, around, you know, clean technology, te technologies that might solve climate change. And it was a, it was a kind of extraordinary time where, where I mean, I'm, I'm going back now 15 years or so, at the time when climate, climate change is really just coming into the kind of general awareness. And, um, and that there were some fascinating kind of investment opportunities around that. But at the same time, I had this massive frustration with the kind of the, the dialogue where, um, and I, I was working a lot in the US, and, and, and the dialogue there around clean energy was really that, um, well, it was really polarized, you know, on the, on, the, on the liberal side, on the Democrat side, you know, it was all about um, climate change and how terrible climate change was and how we had to solve it and trying to scare the hell out of all of us into, into doing something. And, and you, you know, the other side was all about, you, you know, really reacting and, and clean energy kind of got tarnished with a, with a kind of partisan brush. And, and although it's, you know, clean energy itself is kind of neutral, um, it got put in that box with, with kind of people on the left. So I, I embarked on this project of trying to communicate the benefits of clean energy um, to Republicans, to conservatives. And it was fascinating. We, we had this guy who works now for Fox News, a guy called Frank Luntz. And he did some focus groups with, with Republicans. He came back and said, look, you know, climate change is toxic if you talk to Republicans about clean energy. But actually, you know, there are a host of other things that, that the host of other benefits that clean energy have. You know, number one, the economics is going to be cheaper and it's going to be better if we go out into the future. Um, but it's also better for energy security. It's better for health. It's better for, for um, resilience and, 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 and so on and so forth. There were, there were tons of reasons. And, um, and it, it kind of opened my eyes to, to, to the fact that, you know, somehow we'd managed to, to kind of polarize you know, this incredible technology that, 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 that had all kinds of other benefits. And anyway, as part of that, that work, I, I ended up spending some time with the US military. Um, and I got invited along to this, this day where they were running a scenario planning exercise and they were asking the question, you know, what's it gonna mean for geopolitics if we get off fossil fuels very quickly? 
and and they invited 10 experts into into the room and and eight of them were from kind of big oil companies and departments of government or or or, or from big kind of consultancies i mean you know a lot of the names i'm not i'm not going to share them um now but you, you'd be able to guess at some of them uh, and then they had sort of two outsiders me and this guy called tony Sieber, who's who's now my my my, my partner at rethink x and, and and basically eight of these guys all get up got up and gave the same presentation they were they were you know their forecasts for for the adoption of solar the adoption of electric vehicles and so on they had these kind of straight line forecasts out to 2040 or even 2050 very low levels of adoption you know and 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 and, and very incremental progress and and you know tony got up and said um look you know that's not how disruption works it's not how technology disruptions work they they, they go in an s curve you know they start slowly and then they accelerate um and 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 they go exponential and 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 then they you know come to dominate the market and he said you know this is over by the 2030s you know we'll have a fully renewable energy system have 100 electric vehicles um and if you guys are going to make your 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 plans on the back of you know these types of forecasts you're going to make some horrible mistakes and 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 i basically got up and said look you know i agree with tony and uh the point of telling that story is you know tony tony and i went out for coffee afterwards and and, and spoke for months about everything from you know healthcare through to finance through to food and agriculture and and you know our view was then and still is today that we're just woefully unprepared for what's coming that we're going to see a disruption of every sector of the economy over the next decade or so that's going to transform not just those sectors of the economy but it's going to transform society it's going to transform you know how we meet our needs how we think about all kinds of different things and yet no one was talking about it no one no one had um you know no one had the insight or or, or had done the analysis to, to to really understand how it works and it really comes down to our kind of the way we perceive the world and 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 you know our view is that that you know the the modern world's grown up essentially out of the scientific revolution i mean the western way of thinking has you know largely come to kind of dominate the world and it's been amazing it's created extraordinary progress we've created some fantastic technologies that have transformed the way we live but at its heart you know the way we think the scientific method is reductionist right so what we do is we take the incredible complexity of the world and we break it apart into little bits and we've got incredibly good in understanding the pieces the individual parts we can understand them and 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 describe them down to the subatomic scale now but what we've done in that process is to lose an understanding of the connections and the interactions of the parts and that's really what's causing us problems today um and and so tony and i you know we set up this this research group called rethink x and we're set up as a not for profit and and we've written uh, we started off by writing these research reports about various sectors of the economy and i'm not going to go into any detail about them we can talk about them later if you're interested but we've written about transportation about energy and we've written about food and agriculture um, and then last summer we published a book called rethinking humanity that really put it all together that tried to understand how these sectors kind of interact with each other and how they're going to transform society more generally and and i just want to kind of summarize the thesis of that um before we kind of we kind of broaden out because i think it's 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 kind of it's kind of interesting and it involves really 10,000 years of human history um because our view is you have to understand the whole before you can understand you know any of the pieces and so you know when we look at at, at human civilization we've seen essentially what, you know what we describe as two ages today we have the era before we settle down as far as as farmers and into cities which we call the age of survival where essentially we foraged we are hunter gatherers and we kind of scratched an existence and and really our biggest driver was just to survive and to get by but as soon as we settled down we moved into what we call the age of extraction and that's a that, that's a paradigm really that's still with us today it was a, it was it's a, essentially a model of production based on the extraction and exploitation of scarce resources so we had to find you know the food the animals the farmland uh, and eventually that you know the trees and then the coal and the oil and so on and so forth to 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 feed into our system and to and and to provide the um you know the things we needed and that and that um that system based on 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 scarce resources led to a very competitive world a world of kind of zero sum competition and it's a world in which 
you know, you have to kind of exploit or be exploited, dominate or be dominated. So it, it, it's created this, what we call the growth imperative. It's driven successive civilizations and societies just to grow and progress as fast as they can. Um, and and, 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 and that, the, the, the problem with that system is that, that hardwired into that system by, 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 by this growth imperative is essentially the fact that you have to exploit people and you have to exploit the planet. Because if you don't, someone else will, and they'll grow faster, and they'll outperform you, and eventually they'll conquer you. So, you know, we've seen examples of civilizations that have lived sustainably in, in, in the past, but as soon as another has managed to reach them, they've just been subsumed and dominated. And so actually at the center of our current system, you know, is essentially exploitation and inequality. They're, 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 they're things that are, um, you know, in, 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 in some ways, the, the, the sort of the essence of our system. Uh, and we can do what we can to try and rebalance, to try and, um, um, you know, level the playing field. But ultimately, we're always fighting against the fact that this is an inherent part of our system. And that's what's happened over the history of civilization. So what we've seen is societies kind of experiment with different technologies. I mean, we had, you know, the first few cities for the first few thousand years were limited to a few thousand people. And then Sumeria, a city called Uruk in Sumeria, they invented, you know, the written word, they invented the wheel, they invented, you know, they started using bronze, they made these incredible breakthroughs, they invented irrigation and the plow and all kinds of other things. And that led them over literally a couple of centuries to expand from a few thousand people up towards a hundred thousand people. I mean, these incredible breakthrough and they dominated this huge area. But they also, when they did this, had to learn how to govern and manage that system. And so they had to learn how to, um, you know, harness labor. They had, they had to learn how to, um, you know, they invented laws, written laws. They invented all kinds of things, what we call the organizing system, the social, economic, and, and, and political systems that allowed them to, to run. Um, and a few hundred years later, they collapsed. They breached their limits. They over, they over salinated, they over irrigated and salinated the soils. The, the, the land stopped producing so much food and they collapsed. And, that, and that's really been the cycle of history ever, ever, ever so often. You know, a few more civilizations came along in Babylon and Egypt, and they kind of reached the same threshold, and they collapsed as well. And then the Romans broke through and got to a million people and eventually collapsed. And we saw Baghdad and various Chinese cities get to the same threshold. And it was only, you know, in the 1800s in the UK that we broke through that threshold again. And we're now past, you know, 10 million people. And we've got, we've got this whole kind of industrial era um, uh, upon us, and we're now reaching our limits. We're now, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's apparent in every way. We're at our social limits, our economic limits, our, our environmental limits, and we face collapse. And so the challenge really that we see for humanity is not to avoid collapse. You know, we can't, we, we, we can't avoid it. it, it it's inevitable. But what we can do is allow a new system to break through, a new system that, that allows us um, to all live essentially a good life. And, 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 and the good news is that that system is here. You know, it's, it's, at its, it's at its infancy, but we just don't recognize it. We don't see it. And it's driven by technological progress. So, so what we see happening in the energy space and in the food space and in transportation and in all kinds of other industries is a whole new system of production emerging. And it's, it's not an extraction-based system. It's what we call the model of creation. So I'll give you an, I mean, you know, if you think of, 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 of solar wind and batteries, which is going to come to dominate um, the electric power space. You know, once you've built the system, you don't need anything to run it, right? It, 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 you've got all the photons, the electrons that you need locally anywhere in the world. You've got a, a, a system that is, um, you know, can run entirely by itself. And it's the same with the new food system that's emerging, the ability that we have now to create proteins and all kinds of other molecules through synthetic methods, essentially, we're taking, you know, essentially what goes on in the gut of an animal and putting it into a, into a bio-rect, and that sounds horrible, but we can, we can produce food now with almost zero environmental impact, with almost, you know, a, we can, we can uh, with a fraction of the water, with a fraction of the land use, with a fraction of the greenhouse gas emissions, and all these things are going to be cheaper than the old inefficient industrial ways of doing it. We just have to follow the cost curves that forward a few years and so this is going to happen really for the economics and so we're turning the model of production on its head and we now have a model that's based on abundant locally available resources um, and so you know 
we think over the next decade or two, we'll see this transformation. So, you know, whilst we as a civilization are spending all our time trying to patch up our old system, trying to make it a bit fairer, you know, a bit more equal, trying to solve some of the environmental problems that come with our, our food, our energy, or our transport systems, what's actually happening is that that system's disappearing and a new system's growing. And it's going to grow along that S-curve. It's, it's at the sort of base of that inflection point where it's just beginning to get exponential. And within a decade or two, we're going to see a completely transformed system of production. And it's a, it's a system where that, 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 those, those sorts of tensions between environmental and economic and, and, and social outcomes just get cut, you know, like a Gordian knot. And they, they just don't exist in that new system. Um, and so the world around the corner is potentially you know, incredible, prosperous, sustainable. Um, you know, we can meet our needs in all kinds of ways. We can all be freed, essentially, from you know, from the drudgery, the drudgery of labor. You know, humans will no longer be an input into the system of production. It'll be, it could be the most incredible world. But to get there, you know, we need to know how to manage it and understand it and see it because it's a wholly different system. You know, all the things that we have in our world today, democracy, free market capitalism, even socialism and communism, you know, these are ideas that grew up around these old industrial technologies. They kind of evolved with them. They're just not suited to this much more distributed network system. You know, everything changes in this world. It's, it's just all the old relationships don't happen. All these constructs that are appropriate to one era or one time, they're just irrelevant in some ways. And another time they have different meanings. And, and the biggest challenge we face in kind of getting there is to, is to drop really our baggage of incumbency, our way of seeing the world that, that grew up in this industrial era and has been passed down to each and every one of us through the education system, through our social structures, and so on and so forth, and really start again. And this is, I mean, this is why historically the incumbents, you know, people who have done well of the old system have never managed to transform themselves. They just can't let go of what worked, or what they perceived or what their way of seeing the world. So the challenge for us is really to recognize that everything in our world, everything we see, they're really human constructs. And we need to find new ways to, to understand the world, new ways to manage it, new ways to govern it, and new ways, essentially, to live. Um, I'm going to leave it there because that felt a little heavy by the end. <laughs> I think we should probably open it up a little bit. I get slightly carried away. But we can go off in any direction, I guess. I'm entirely in your hands. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for sharing that. Um... We've got some interested folks in the chat who want to follow up on it. Um, we've got three folks. I'm going to start it off with Charlie. And Charlie, once you're done, just pass it on to Felix. And yeah, thanks for sharing that, Jamie. You seem to have got the chat excited with people wanting to share. Over to you, Charlie. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, that's really, it's a really like exciting and very kind of compelling vision. And I really like the division into the age of survival and um an extraction it makes a lot of sense um i was wondering like if you see any values from the age of survival that will come into play in the future is it the age of creation that comes comes after that so like i mean i think that um so let's say that maybe like hunter gatherers or something if you there are hunter gatherer societies that are still around today um and often they seem to be like living in some abundance or it without like medical technologies and things like that so maybe life expectancy isn't so great but like things like permaculture and um kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for kind of but like they engage in complex systems without kind of extracting from them although they can do but um so yeah i guess what i'm trying to say is like are there things from like the early stage the pre-extractive stage that could come into play and like come back as part of the new the new stage yeah so I mean, I, I kind of think a, a bit as them being kind of ancestors of, of of what might come. But you're right. I mean, there was a, a there was a holism that existed in 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 you know prior civilizations and in in you know um, I guess pre Neolithic cultures that that kind of understood the interactions and the interrelationships and understood that you know if you chop down a forest, then you know you probably wouldn't have any wildlife in a few years' time and you'd starve. Um, in, you know, in a way that we don't today. So I, I think absolutely the, 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 there is that essence of, I mean, holism that, 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 that you know, we need to redevelop and rediscover. Um, you know, my sense is that we can build on that and we can add it. We don't want to discard, you know, the incredible scientific knowledge that we have. 
that that kind of reductionist knowledge but i think we want to supplement it with the the, the connective tissues that kind of understands the interactions and the interrelationships and 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 and, and so on and so forth so i'm sure there's a lot i'm sure there's a lot we can learn um i I, I, the reason I'm slightly kind of skeptical about jumping in wholeheartedly is that, that um, sometimes I feel that, that um, you know, we can put some of these cultures on a pedestal to some degree, that they, you know, every culture and every time comes with its kind of good and its bad. And I think there's a lot we can learn from, you know, Eastern religions and, 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 and these sorts of early, early civilizations as well. Um, but it's a new context and everything has new meaning. And so, you know, um, you know, we'll need to evolve our own, our own version of this kind of um, hyper detailed, but hyper holistic worldview as we go forward. And I think, I think we can see the seeds of that. I mean, there's, there's much more understanding of kind of complexity and, and so on in, in, in all kinds of ways. I think, you know, Western medicine is a great example where you know, you've got a, an ear expert and a, gut expert and a, and, a, and a kind of leg expert or whatever. And then, um, you know, we're finally realizing actually it's all kind of connected that you can, you can chase symptoms around the body and just cause some other problems, but actually you've got to treat the whole, you know, the mind, the gut, the body. Um, and, 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 and that's, you know, it's only now dawning on us, which, I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. It's the same with, you know, the rest of society and the rest of civilization, I think. So, so yeah. Um, it's, it, there's a lot to unlearn, I think. <laughs> I think that's the biggest challenge we face. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll pass it to Felix. The unlearning is definitely a big challenge. I really, uh, I really feel that from you, uh, that. Um, and the, the, but the reason I put the mark in the chat was to ask um, whether, so in like in the, in the 20th century, when we were like when the Europe was starting to industrialize and the world was industrializing and all this was going on, the the economists like the Keynesian Keynesian economics were saying, "Oh, we'll be working 15 hours by the end of this century because it'll all have been mechanized and these labors that are going are required of us now will have disappeared." Um, and the, those labors did disappear because they were replaced by machines. Um, to some extent, but then in the in the modern world now, people are working in just as much, and it's. Um, I just wonder, like the vision that you have is quite it, it's quite similar to that that was modelled, uh, like I don't know, decades ago, um, and just where um, what's like. What is the fun? What's going to be the fundamental thing that drives things further from this point now that wasn't there then? Yeah. So yeah, I, I hear you. You're absolutely right. And you know, I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, forecasting the future is a kind of you know a fool's errand in, in in many ways. You know, you're going to be wrong, right? I mean, it's it it, it it's um it it it's. I mean, actually, Tony and I have started. I mean, people call us futurists, and it, it kind of annoys us. And we um we started calling ourselves todayists. You know, we, we, we try to say, look, through our lens, we can understand what's going on today and, and see the kind of possibilities that are emerging tomorrow. But, you know, the path we take into that space, you know, it kind of depends on the decisions we take along the way. But, I mean, you're right. I, I, I think, um, I mean, I, I would, you can talk, I guess, in degrees of degrees of confidence. And, 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 and I think, you know, from, if you, if you think of what we call the, the system of production, um, you know, we will largely be removed of it. I can see a, a, a kind of clear trajectory that, that, you know, we're no longer an input essentially into this system of production. But, you know, we'll find other, we'll find other things to do with our time and other ways of um, yeah. making money and other, and, 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 you know, in some level we might reconceive of what work is. I think one of the, one of the things we see, we see happening is, is just the cost of the things we need plunging. And these are vastly more efficient. There's, it's essentially biology in some ways replacing physics in, 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 in terms of how we conceive of the we conceive of the system. And you know, we can see a situation where energy is essentially nearly free, where food is nearly free, where um, you know, transportation could largely be free. Um, 
and, and, and you know, healthcare transformed and becoming, you know, vastly cheaper because we moved to a kind of prevention-based paradigm instead of a treatment-based. So, so you get to this world where, um, you know, the meaning of everything kind of changes, you know, what work means and, and how we meet our needs and, and, and actually what, what reward needs. I mean, if you, if, you leave, if you live in a world where you've, you've kind of got all your basic needs provided for, you know, some of the drivers in the old system that, that drive us to kind of hoard and kind of flaunt wealth and, 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 and so on, they kind of go away. You know, you don't need pensions and savings and, you know, a kind of massive rainy day fund. We can just, we just get comfortable with kind of providing, you know, as we go along. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know the answers, but I do know that, that kind of everything changes. In a, in a world like that and 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 exactly what it means you know i i don't think we'll know and it will mean different things in different areas i'm sure the you know some you know some some parts of the world you'll you'll, you'll see a kind of a hoarding and a um a, you know continue but but other parts i hope you know we'll, we'll find new ownership models and new ways of of, of 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 kind of thinking about all these kinds of issues let's hope so <laughs> um. So on to Stefika, who is next. Cool, thank you. Um, unfortunately, I, I arrived late, so I didn't get to hear everything you said, but what I did hear was very interesting, so thank you. Um, I was very curious to follow up on your idea of new societies and how technology is going to allow, you know, us to change so much that we have a completely new social and economic order. And I say this because I wonder whether the age of extraction is really at an end. Is it not just now an age of social extraction? Because we already have data extraction. And you know, rather than destroying our old social structures, we now have surveillance capitalism, data colonialism, a, a growing digital divide. And so really what technologies i mean i'm i'm a i'd like I, i'm a positive you know i'm an optimist <laughs> i like to think positively but equally what we've seen is just more nefarious ways to carry out neoliberalism um and and the products that we're creating such as like alexa it's making us more lazy or it's making things more easy but it's also listening to us and sort of scaring us into conforming more creating a new social order but in a way that doesn't benefit our freedoms in a way that actually deepens inequalities. Um, so I've been thinking about that a lot really, but I want to know what your take is on um, how you think we might be able to get out of that loop. Yeah. If so, I um, could, if I could quickly interject as well, um, I'll let Jamie answer, but also Stefika, you said a lot of really interesting words. So we would also like to hear your views if you, if you think you have an answer to that. So after Jamie shared, you have the license to share your perspective as well, not just a question, just to put that out there for everyone. So, um, I mean, we, we describe our kind of governance structures, our institutions, our, our you know, our, our, our social economic systems and so on. We, we describe them as our organizing system, which, um, which is, is really kind of how we manage and govern and, 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 um, and, and even understand the world and 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 the systems we have today in 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 the west and actually the systems that are kind of dominating around the world um you know these have been around for hundreds of years right they kind of grew out of the um you know the the enlightenment and and scientific revolution and 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 and, and, and that kind of era you know in the late middle ages into in, into the into the modern world so um you know democracy free market capitalism um, you know, even the concept of the nation state. I mean, these are relative, you know, these are, you know, the, these are the kind of constructs that evolved alongside the kind of industrial era technologies. And, um, you know, they all come from, from, well, I mean, they all evolved. The reason we have them today is because they were the best fit for those industrial era technologies. It's a sort of evolutionary process where, you know, we experimented with all kinds of different methods of doing it, but the, 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 the one that kind of best enabled progress won out. And, and, and it was a system that the, essentially the UK developed and then exported to the US. And now the, the US has kind of exported. And every other version, you know, you can slot in, you know, socialism into whatever or, or, or 
um, you know, central planning of, of an economy or, or, or however you want to kind of rearrange the pieces. We've tried pretty much everything and, and, and you know, they, they, they just slowed down progress essentially. And, and, and so we're at this era where now, you know, these, these human constructs in some ways we see as, well, at least our leaders see as kind of fundamental truths, right? We're, we're, we're not gonna let go of them easily. You're not gonna give up on the US constitution or the concept of America or, or, or any of these things. And, and this is why, you know, disruption or change always comes from the outside. I can't see any way in which the West, you know, Europe, even China or, or, or the US is kind of gonna let go and, and, and change enough to enable us to, um, you know, to, 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 to adapt and thrive into the future. And this is why I, I was saying earlier that I think, you know, it's inevitable that the old system collapses. Um, the hope is that we find a new system that springs up and, 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 and develops that can take its place. And it's likely to come from the edge. It might come from, you know, it might come with, from within one of those regions, but at a city level or a community level where we find the new kind of structures and um, social, political, economic systems that, that work better with, with um, you know, the new production system that's emerging. But um, yeah, I can't see us willingly letting go of, 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 of all of these concepts. And it, if we try and run these new technologies and new production system through those old models, I think it's a disaster. And this is what's gonna to lead to the downfall of the US and the downfall of Europe. I don't think we're, 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 we're gonna to, going to sit and, and, and agree to change them. I just don't see, I don't see that, you know, how that happens. You, you can't, I mean, part of the problem we see is that, you know, we've got a, a, a world in, in some ways that's underpinned by information. And so you get these kind of network effects that, that, that happen in an information system that just mean that, um, you know, huge amounts of power gets concentrated in, the, in these sort of, you know, scarce platforms. Um, and if we run the kind of, you know, the, you know, the old, the old models of ownership and so on, we're just gonna see increasing inequality, increasing problems and, 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 and so on and so forth. So yeah, my, 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 my gut tells me that this, you know, we have to hit a wall and collapse in the West, uh, but we've got to hope that something else develops from either within or without that can come and hold us through that and, and, and kind of take over when the time's right. I'd love to hear your view. Oh, it's, it's such a big stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to be as optimistic and say, you know, because you talk about progress and how maybe perhaps the best model, we've always found the best model feeds progress. But what is progress? I mean, I'm not particularly, I couldn't, I, I could have criticisms about where we are today based on the, the skills that we have, based on the information that we have. Surely we would have, have a much better society. Surely we would have eradicated inequality. Why are people in the UK hungry? I mean, with all the wealth that we have, it doesn't make sense. So I don't think that the way that we choose to progress is always the right way or the most humanitarian way. And it's with that in mind, and also thinking about how every society has a power imbalance, um, even in communism, even in socialism, um, power is at the root of it. And, and technology, when we talk about technology, we are talking about power. We're talking about getting our hands on a, a new type of almost magic alien power that we haven't had before, uh, that is gonna be controlled by a small group of people who are writing those algorithms, who are designing those products. And we don't have not nearly, we don't even, it's not even about regulation because the regulators are in, you know, hand in hand with the corporate, with the corporations, which some people say is the corporatocracy, sort of like the new layer of corporates ruling the world. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic just because I don't, I don't really agree that, you know, we, we have to question what we think of as progress. We've got um, Karis up next with a question. Um, I would, before we go on to Karis though, I would like to invite like Stefika because we know each other personally and anyone in this room, I'd love to like continue on this conversation because I think the questions you're asking are very important. And I found some interesting people um, online and thinkers who give pieces of the answer but I think the other thing to look at is maybe we bring pieces of the answer. Um, yeah, onto you, Karis. Um, so I was gonna ask, what are some of the changes that you reckon will happen to the production system 
that will improve it. So, yeah, so I mean, we, I mean, we can talk about kind of any any sector of the economy, really. But um, I mean, you know, I think I think maybe I'll, I'll talk about um, you know electric power because it's a it's a it's a sector that comes with big problems and big impacts, uh, and it, it's kind of misunderstood how how change might happen. And I think it, it you know might help illustrate um, you know some of the things we're saying. So, you know, we the, the analysis we've done of of, of of, of electric power suggests that we can get to a you know 100% solar wind and battery uh, energy system you know relatively well very easily and, and and economically so 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 you know it's the cheapest form of energy um going forward 5 10 years so you know it'll be driven by economics this doesn't need big kind of government intervention to get there but the way you the way you build a 100% renewable system to get you through the kind of dark days of winter you can do it in a number of ways. You can either massively overbuild kind of storage batteries to, to, to allow you to kind of charge up ahead of time to meet those kind of dark winter days, or you can massively overbuild um, supply, you know, solar panels or, 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 or wind turbines. Um, and, and when we model it, you, you end up with this U curve. So, you know, at either end, lots of, lots of batteries or lots of solar, it's hugely expensive. And in the middle is a, is a sweet spot where you get the cheapest system, which is also cheaper than any other alternative, uh, fossil fuel or otherwise, um, given the, the declining costs we expect to see over the next decade or so. But what's interesting about that system is, you know, you get with it, you know, every other time of year, every other day of the year, you get a, a, a kind of super abundance of energy, right? You, you're just producing much more energy than you need because you've had to overbuild to get through the winter. Uh, and we see that as a problem today. We kind of we talk about curtailing this sort of kind of surplus of power, but actually it's a huge opportunity. You'll have, you know, essentially for th for free, two or three times the amount of energy that we actually you know we actually need today. So it'll be you know, this what we call superpower, this superabundance of, of of zero cost energy, and that'll transform kind of everything, or transform industry after industry. You know, things like steel production. We could we could. Um, you know, we could we, we we could you know do entirely with this new with, with this sort of overabundance of energy. We could desalinate water. We could you know do vertical farming. We could do you know all kinds of all, all kinds of different things. You know, produce green hydrogen. Um, you know, mine cryptocurrencies. All all kinds of. So I mean, you know, what happens when you have a disruption like this is you have a what we call a phase change. You know, you get a different system state. It's just a totally different architecture, totally different rules, and and and. Um, you know that's one of the that's one of the big changes we see, and 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 you know that's um, you know it's going to get to the point um, that we have for for large parts of the year essentially have free energy, and energy will go from being a bad thing. Energy use will go from being a bad thing um, to being a good thing. I mean, energy use has, has, has had enormous, enormously positive social impacts. And if we take out the negative environmental impacts. Then actually, you know, using energy is no longer bad. Um, you know, it's good. <laughs> it's it, it, it's transformation, and we see similar disruptions going in, on in, um, you know, in transportation and 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 ultimately in healthcare and and pretty much every every other sector. I mean, the way we look at the world really is that you know, you know technological progress is we define as as an improvement in our ability to manipulate matter, energy, or information. You know, those are the the, the foundation blocks of our physical world and, and and technological progress is neither you know good nor bad in many ways it, 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 it's what comes with it and you have to kind of understand the whole system um to, to really understand that but but certainly you know our abilities our technological abilities are just skyrocketing right and 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 and, and it's going to give us the opportunity to do some incredible things but you know with any kind of change comes adverse consequences and and, and the challenge really is to is to is to try and you know capture the good, capture the benefits, and 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 do what do what we can to mitigate the adverse consequences and and to foresee them as we can. And that's always been the what's called us out historically. Amazing. What do you think about like food packaging and plastic? Yeah, um, I mean you know there has been there are technologies coming along that can replace that. So so we're seeing an ability to. Um, 
well, either synthesize or, or actually, you know, bio ferment um, alternatives to plastic packaging. But actually, I think the biggest change, you know, to food packaging will come from, from a, a transformation of the food system that, that would just be producing everything much more locally, would be much more modularized. And we just won't need that kind of packaging and it will be direct to consumer. Um, and so, you know, it won't go through these huge, long kind of um, supply chains before it gets to the supermarket and you pick it up and take it home. So, you know, how we think about packaging kind of gets transformed. And, um, and you know, we expect that to happen, um, you know, within the next decade or so that, 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 you know, we'll start with quite large centralized food production facilities and over time it will modularize to, you know, ever smaller scale and we'll see food produced. You know, locally in communities, essentially. Brilliant, thank you. Up next, we have um, Alice, and once you're done, Alice, if you could pass it on to Felix, um, that would be great. Thank you. Um, my exclamation mark was there a long time ago, so it's really, really <laughs> tricky to package everything together. Um, but it's all connected, so I guess it's all adding to the same thing. I one quick one to what Charis, Charis, Charis. I don't know how to say it, but uh, one thing that on her question to add is about what I understand about solar panels and uh, wind is that to create a solar panel to to build one, you are using very precious material and it will die eventually and you have to make another one. And so that's not really re renewable or really sustainable as is it, it, it appears to be. And uh, also with the wind ones, if you want to make these massive wind uh, things, <laughs> you need to do it in, I don't know, like the, the, the construction of them in the middle of the ocean, for example, is super crazy and I, I just there's that I don't understand how that adds up to the fact that it is great and renewable and it will help everything but then at the same time it's also having this I, I, I don't understand the balance between how much it's destroying and how much it's helping but just before I wanted to say uh, quickly that um, it is so nice to hear somebody talk about the future in a positive way and in an exciting and like abundant instead of apocalyptic depressing uh, but using the apocalypse as something exciting and I, I i like i like to think about the apocalypse as something like ah it's a new opportunity or some new way of putting the things together in a different way with all the information we've gathered in in a new and exciting way and um and about the question that felix had because it was all because of felix's question and he asked about this um how it used to be about survival of like hunting and living, looking for caves, or I don't know what they were doing. And then from there they went on, like, I, I often think of how that is very similar to how if you live in a city and you do a nine to five job and that's also survival and you don't really get a lot of free time. And then the same if you are, I don't know, squatting and then you have a lot of people that in the end are spending all their energy into, it's similar to, uh, what's the hunter gatherers because you're always looking for a cave or you're always looking for a food supply and it's like always like this is taking all your energy and it's like, oh okay so maybe make in the future we have uh, factories but then people are actually having to put a lot of energy or oh, offices and then people are spending all their time in office so it's always survival so um it's it, it it was nice to hear felix's question because it made me realize that ah okay so the way of developing a technology with the objective of having more time to spend doing like having time having time instead of having to survive and using our time to survive and the way that like um everything is more global and more big and it's going into this direction of massive uh global world um and then this idea of like oh we have to do things small scale and, uh, 
And then, I don't know, there's just so, uh, now I'm getting blurry, but I'm trying to say something about how the development of the technology, I guess, has a lot to do with the way we communicate with each other and the way we collaborate with each other and how maybe by good communication and good collaboration, we can gain time because you know, somehow, And I pass it on to um, Charlie, no, Felix, Felix. I don't know, I'm confused now. You did great, you did great. I think Jamie, that was quite a lot. So let's let Jamie speak a little bit on what his thoughts were. And then after that, Felix can jump in, sorry. Yeah, amazing energy. And, and I'm, I'm not sure I can keep up with you. <laughs> but. Um, the yeah, I mean, I, I think the only way things have ever changed ultimately is 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 through experimentation, right? Just constant. You know, I mean, this is how we solved all our early problems when we when we settled down into 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 um, you know into in, in, into cities and 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 um, you know tamed animals and plants. You know, we we were just confronted with a whole bunch of of, of new problems, and we had a a surplus of time and we worked out how to solve them. Um, you know, and some of them took very long periods of time to solve. And that's kind of the, you know, you know, it's one of the key lessons of, 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 of progress. And I think as we, as we go forward, it's just this, you know, experimentation we need to do at a kind of civilization level that if we're going to work out how to, you know, how to live with, with this new system of production, I think it's, you know, we talked about the difference between, you know, um, survival and extraction, and we call the you know what we see the new system of production being as, as a creation-based system. So we, we call it actually the age of freedom, but it's um, it's a creation-based system of of production where you know the old the old rules don't apply, and we don't know. Um, you know what we do know is that the old ways of running it and understanding it don't work um, or won't work. But we're not going to sit in the room and plan it. This is not going to be delivered. You know, we speak to to governments and we speak to, you know, investors and we speak to businesses and all all types. And they all they all say, you know, can you write us an action plan? You know, can you tell us how to do this? Can you tell us how to to plan into the future? And 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 we always say, you know, no. <laughs> you know, we, it's not how it works. You can't write a ten year plan or a ten point plan, and 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 this is how we're going to learn. We just need to find ways to. Decentralize and experiment, and 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 um, and and try and you know, in some ways, mimic in our government, you know, governance structures and institutions that sort of very distributed network system. It's much more kind of a biological system. It's you know, it's almost like a kind of mycelium network, you know, a series of connected nodes with exchanging information and materials across it. But it's um, you know, it it's um, it's just a very different world that's emerging, and 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 I think this temptation to kind of plan for it. To plan it and, and and to want to have some kind of certainty is the wrong one. What we can do is create principles and, and and you know within which we operate. But but beyond that, you know, we've got to let go and, <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah, thank you. And that's kind of related to how I was talking about the collaboration and organization. Because if we exactly. can find new ways of organizing or communicating that yeah. work with chaos or work with unknown. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, thanks. So Jamie, just to just to make sure I've got it, is the I the idea of living in an era of creation is that on a local level you'll be able to um, avoid scarcities. And I guess um, for if 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 you are if we take the the modern day as like um, an example, there's a lot of benefit that you can gain by creating a system of scarcity where you control the product that is scarce, or just in in any situation. Um, do you think that there'll be a, like within the model that you and Tony have developed, is there a, um, 
a con like an idea of there being a friction where things move from a centralization to a decentralization um or is it part of is it is it yeah is it, like how are things going to decentralize i suppose is what i'm asking but then again you said you can't model it you can't predict like this but i'm just wondering if because that is a fundamental that is a very important difference in within that creative future um yeah because it's like it's like what um Alice was saying like say um we've got so we introduce a technology that's like even now like that you can grow like burgers like ham like meat proteins in sit on in a in a petri dish um that's it, like if that was to be decentralized everyone would have that but then is everyone going to have everything everywhere i'm confused yeah <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the way we see it is, is you know, we, we have currently an extraction-based system and, and every civilization has been like that. It's just been bigger and bigger scale. And that leads to this sort of centralized and hierarchical model through which we govern it and manage it. And it's, it, it, it's easy to kind of, um, you know, well, to control it through that system. When you go to a distributed system, think of information, right? The, the industrial version of the information system was, you know, newspapers and TV and printing presses and so on and so forth, right? And, and so very narrow distribution channels, high barriers to entry, high cost, and you can run it from the center. You can regulate it and control the flows of information from the center. Now we have a completely distributed system where every single person is kind of connected to every other per person directly uh, and can produce their own content. There are no barriers to entry. There are billions of distribution channels and it's completely unmanageable through those, you know, using the old tools of, of centralized censorship or, you know, however we want to, you know, those, those old industrial era tools. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing, a, you know, it's almost like the church and state when the printed book came along, you know, they lost complete control of the flows of information and that essentially ultimately led to their downfall. We're seeing the same kind of process now where, you know, those centralized authorities can no longer control the flows of information. And it's, um, but they don't know how to manage it. They don't have the tools through which to manage it. And, and, but that's happening across society now. So we're gonna see that in every sector where, and what we mean by creation base is yes, exactly what you're saying is, is that locally and at, you know, whatever scale we I mean, think of a city level or a, you know, a town level or a community level, we'll have everything we need to produce all the food, energy, you know, any, anything we really need. We need some seed, you know, it's kind of seed of, 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 of kind of metals, more materials, but everything else is available in abundance pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, and, and that's transformative because we're no longer, you know, in that centralized system, we're no longer squabbling over scarce resources. It removes all kind of geopolitical tensions. It removes other ways, but it, it, it's, it's, um, it's a system where, you know, we, we, we have enough of everything and we can produce what we need without any kind of, well, not without any, but without a, a, a big impact on our, on our broader environment. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, this is why we call it the age of freedom. It, 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 it's just a totally different, a, a totally different world. We haven't come across it before. And, 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 and you know, getting there is, 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 is a hard part. And this is why, we, you know, I was saying earlier that we need to kind of unlearn everything we know, everything we thought we knew, that, that, that you know, everything that gave us a big advantage in the old system is going to be a massive disadvantage in the old system. And it's a kind of baggage of incumbency. It's why you know companies get disrupted. It's why civilizations get disrupted. It's why the the old never lead in the new system. Um, and it's an exciting challenge. But um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's um, you know it's not one we're devoting much effort or time to trying to deal with right now. Which you know what we what we what we're essentially doing when we talk about the problems in our world today. So we're trying to apply sticking plasters to the old system. Uh, we're trying to patch it up or we're trying to solve our environmental problems with we're doing it by patching up the old system making it a little less bad or our social problems you know we're trying to redistribute a little bit or you know use the old tools but as i was saying before you know inequality and environmental degradation they're, they're hardwired into an extraction-based system you know the best we can hope for essentially is a quality of exploitation but that's not a very high bar right? <laughs> it's uh so it's it's a it's a whole it's a whole new world Thanks, Jamie. Um, 
you you really have people engaged because they're still dropping exclamation marks. Um, what I'm going to do is we're going to go to Jack and then Charlie because um, Charlie had a chance to speak already. But if we could keep it kind of short because it's getting long and people's attention spans. Um, so if you could <laughs> if you could go up next, Jack, that'd be great. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. Uh, firstly, Jamie, I joined a little late, so I must must offer my apologies. But I've been very intrigued by what you've been saying. And my question kind of ties into Felix's. And uh, do correct me if I've made a mistake here, but you talk about this idea of decentralization. Uh, however, you know, even you know, all the down to city or even town or even community level. But if you've got things like <clears throat> me, uh, solar panels or like solar farms and the battery farms to you know, store this energy, you know, some of these things surely require huge sunk costs, which would make them quite infeasible on, you know, you know, town-like scales, is, is how, how are you going to approach that challenge? Yeah. Um, so we just write about it, first thing I should say. <laughs> we don't, don't actually solve anything. But, the, um, but the, um, you're right. I mean, there, 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 you know, it kind of depends where you are. Okay, so we've done work for, you know, out in India where we've, we've looked at the Indian system and they, they, they're going to have this incredibly low cost energy system because, you know, they don't have the, the winter problem we have. They have pretty even sunlight, um, you know, all the way through the year. So they don't have to build this huge overcapacity and they'll have much cheaper energy. Um, you know, the further north you go, the harder it gets and the more expensive your energy system is going to be. So, you know, we, we will just be, you know, less competitive in these in these parts of the world and and you know energy underpins all kinds of other sectors so um you know we just have to we'll have to work with it but it might be that you know the, the world pecking order kind of reverses around some of these things i mean that there is um you know a greater abundance of of, of energy and other resources you know in, in 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 parts of the world you know europe's not you know we're endowed with 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 coal reserves and and and, and, and oil reserves which helped us you know dominate the previous era the kind of things that we need in abundance in the in the new era we don't have to, so so you know so much of so uh, it's going to be harder and more expensive um and 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 this is you know when we talk about you know and there's a sort of advantage of incumbency while you're you're in the box seat you know you kind of dominate the supply chains and you've got geopolitical control you've got more money and you know and so on and so forth but it really becomes a baggage when you're when you're going in through a you know what one of these disruptions, one of these what we call a phase change to a new system state, is, is that um, you know a lot of your advantages become disadvantages. You can't, you can't, um, you know, your 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 old infrastructure and and you know and 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 so on and so forth. It doesn't, you know, it's not necessary in the new world. And so you know, I mean, we see we see in um, you know the kind of effect where you know parts of Africa have you know kind of leapfrogged in terms of mobile communications and banking and and, and so on and so forth. That, that actually there's a big advantage not having that kind of sunk infrastructure and all the interests and power dynamics that come with it. And so you know I actually expect that um, you know we we we're, we're somewhat screwed in the West as we come into this new era. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's go for Charlie. Charlie. Um, I was just going to ask um, something about the role of space exploration or um, a figure like Elon Musk, who is kind of like in some ways very forward thinking and kind of a disruptor and thinks in ways that other people don't about scale and time and maybe like hyperabundance as well. Um, but also seems to have a very kind of like I mean, from maybe just is just the way it's depicted in the media, but like this kind of, oh, we'll have this like libertarian society on Mars to go and like colonize it and extract it. And that's like, seems like a kind of marrying up of the mindset that you maybe you, you and your think tank have, but then also like a very extractive mindset as well. So I don't know if there's a question in there, but just if you have any thoughts about like space or kind of getting materials from elsewhere, um, if that's part of this story. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th I think materials, um, no, because we just won't need them. I think I think there's a, you know, we've got, we've got a period through the 2020s, maybe early 2030s, where we're building out a lot of this new infrastructure, the, the energy system, particularly in the food system. Um, but once we're there, you know, it's just topping it up. <laughs> you know, it's, it, 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 these things kind of last, you know, not forever, but, but an extraordinarily long time. We'll have a much more kind of circular model. So I don't think we'll need 
there's nothing that we need is not available in in you know in enough quantities we just have to learn how to process it and extract it during that period but you know longer term we won't we won't be in that one in terms of space i think it's a risk thing for for elon musk i, I think it's, it's you know there are risks to life on earth i mean we've got all our eggs in one basket and you know the idea is there are, there are a number of things that could go wrong here and we probably should you know spread our wings we don't know if we're the only kind of sentient life in the or conscious conscious life in the universe and i think it's it, it it's about um yeah, it's about risk mitigation, I think, in 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 many ways, and and, and probably just a hell of an adventure as well. <laughs> I just, uh, um, you know, it's not it's not something I've given given a whole lot of thought to, but uh, that that's my impression of where he's he's coming from, you know, in that respect. Um, we've got enough we've got enough challenges down here, I think, for um, for most of us to occupy our time. Stefika. I'm going to be super quick, first of all, because this is ending and also I have a Portuguese lesson in three minutes. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to say, um, I've been you know, listening to this and just thinking a lot about intentionality and dreaming because the, the whole idea that you know, technology is just happening and we are innovating and who knows what's gonna happen, you know, it could be quite a dangerous thing because it left up to thinking about and I love your whole idea about we need to get rid of the systems that don't serve us anymore, I, because I completely agree, but I worry that without intentionality, we will just do things and create things that serve the systems that have served us, that we just do what we know. So even thinking about plastic pa packaging that came up before, um, we shouldn't even need packaging in the future, really. If we want to create a whole new order, we should just all go around with, we could buy, we'll find a way to, to not even need something that's so extractive and then um you know you just you just throw it away and it ruins the environment we need to be thinking in a completely different way but to be thinking in a different way we absolutely well i think we need to be intentional about it we need to dream and think so i, I do wonder you know whether it is worth making a sort of five point ten point twenty point plan based on what we already know because if you think about I don't know why the toilet just jumped into my head but toilets have always bothered me because you know you go into some countries in Asia and you see like the fanciest like electronic toilet with like water that squirts and a thing and you know electronic hair dryers and then you go to some remote countries that just they're still using squat toilets like why why didn't we use that innovation to like help someone else and so sorry I feel like I'm tweeting the same horn again but yeah I guess this whole thing of being intentional and sort of do we need you mentioned before having I think principles and values, like sh should we make that the forefront? And with that, I'm really sorry, I have to go. <laughs> I've got my lesson now, but thank you so much. I found this really, really enjoyable. Um, thank you, everyone. <laughs> Any thoughts on toilets, Jamie? <laughs> I think go to Japan if you like toilets. Yeah? <laughs> I was out there recently and it, I mean, amazing what some of these things do. Every time, yeah. Every time you go to your bathroom, you kind of get shocked by something that's going on with these. They have, you know, music and heaters and blower. I mean, all sorts of things. It's uh, it's, it's extraordinary. I actually have a, a there's a a part of a, a, a small region in Tokyo where it's kind of dedicated to kind of sanitary wear, and it's um yeah it's extraordinary to kind of wander around. Anyway, sorry that was much more on toilets than perhaps you were hoping for. That's all right. That's all right. Um, thanks for sharing, Stefika. I felt like that was. There's, there's been a lot of really interesting sharing in, 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 this, um, in this session from, from the participants as well. And I, I just really want to encourage you to point the answers back at yourself, because I think a lot of us in this chat room have the answers and it's about how we connect with each other and start to, to build these things. Like do some of us, I can imagine Felix printing his own burger or, and connecting and a liche with her stuff and I can imagine a lot of us here doing and experimenting but I guess the experimentation is not just in the technology but it's in how we connect with each other and um, in the rethink rethink humanity pdf that you can find in the website that I put in the chat um, Jamie and Tony go into this a bit more and the emphasis is not so much on the technology that's developed but it's how we use the technology and the, like Stefika would say, the intention behind um, what we're doing in the organizational structures. 
Um, and with, with that note, I think I am going to end it. Um, I'm going to mention next week's event, um, same link. Next week, we're going to have Leah Geyer. She is, thank you very much, Jamie. Thanks for today. Um, it was really enjoyable and you brought the energy as well. So that was really great to hear. Um, so yeah, so next week, Tuesday, 6 p.m., same place, same link. We have Leah Geyer, who I think is experimenting with some of these organizational models with her Compass Collective, which is um, an arts and creative company that is helping refugees integrate into living in London and also expressing themselves through art, through video, through film. Um, and she's gonna be here from six, doing a similar thing to what Jamie did, explaining her journey into this. Um, and there's gonna be a lot to learn from. Um, on that note, I'll give it to Sim to wrap it up with a moment of silence and we can all go and enjoy the sun set um, after that. Thanks, Jack. Um, yeah, so also just so you guys know, if you missed out on part of the conversation or Jamie's bit, this will be recorded and uploaded and you can revisit any of these conversations again. Um, but yeah, thanks for this, Jamie. It, it felt like a Matryoshka doll of conversations where we just kept unpacking and new stuff came around. And I feel like at the end of the day, there's always gonna be stuff and, and that's the beauty of it, right? You never stop exploring. Um, all right, so we're gonna end this with a moment of- Can I say goodbye first? I, I, yeah. Sure. My supper, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. No Thank you, everyone. Bye. And please reach out if you wanna carry the conversation on. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Um, yeah, we can just end it with a moment of silence. So if you guys could unmute, if you feel comfortable doing so. So we just engage with each other's settings, uh, locations, take in everything we discussed, or if you just wanna let it wash off and kind of let it find its way back to you whenever you want, you can take either approach. Um, and I'll call you back in a minute. Thanks, guys.